welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Pastor Brad Gray. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here at Stonington Baptist Church in Paxinos, Pennsylvania. Uh, it has been a long time since you've heard my voice here. Uh, <laughs> it's probably, I think it's been like, what, four weeks now? Um, so I just kind of want to get into this. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's, uh, what's been going on with me lately? Well, uh, and four weeks ago, I had a total neat replacement surgery and uh, life's been a little bit crazy since then. Um, and I've been trying to get back into routines, get back into, uh, quote, normal life after this surgery. And uh, it's taken me a bit, little bit longer than I think I wanted in terms of at least doing one of these. Um, but I'm here now, uh, and hopefully I can sort of articulate what I've been learning, what I've been thinking, what I've been doing for four weeks. <laughs> you know, it's uh, always interesting to sort of uh, put something into perspective uh, when it's still kind of fresh. Um, but you know what? I've been trying to do that with this surgery. Um, and uh, I'll just, if you if you didn't know and you didn't follow my, my sort of, uh, injury journey. Um, three years ago, I ruptured my ACL in playing pickup basketball, uh, which is the most beloved sport I think I have ever come across. Um, I love watching other sports. I love watching, uh, professional basketball and college basketball and college football. And I love watching anything else really. Um, but, one of some of my fondest memories will always be uh, from the pickup basketball court. My dad's church in Greenville, South Carolina, has a gym which I basically lived in. Uh, and as the pastor's kid, you know, I would unlock the gym and have guys come over and play pickup basketball for hours. We'd play till our bodies got tired, so to speak. And um, so, but uh, I continued that when I moved to Florida, I was always looking for ways to play pickup. And yeah, uh, one Tuesday evening, I was playing pickup basketball at uh, Beacon Baptist Church, having a great time, ruptured my ACL. I knew it instantly uh, when it happened. All that to say, uh, I recovered well, though. I had surgery back then, recovered well, uh, was actually playing pickup basketball again after my uh, after my initial ACL surgery, and I was feeling really good, and then I twisted my knee again. And then I moved from Florida to Pennsylvania, and in that interim time period, I never really had time to get it reevaluated, get it diagnosed again, and get it sort of uh, repaired. So I was living with a potentially uh, another ruptured ACL, and I just kind of lived with that for a while. And then finally, lately, I got it uh, reevaluated again, and come to find out there was a lot more things going on in my knee than just another torn ligament. It was alignment issues, arthritis and cartilage damage, um, all of which culminated in the decision to have my knee replaced. Now, um, I've had this question so many times that I have my answer sort of on, uh, just on cue and I'm fine giving it. I'm fine answering this. Um, but yes, uh, I'm a, a very young candidate for knee replacement, uh, 30 years old, um, I did my research. I know that 
knee replacements are ten trending younger just because technology gets better and whatnot. But um, I was still on the younger side. But there was this, you know, thought that, well, number one, I just couldn't really live with the pain anymore. So I needed needed to have something done. Um, it was difficult for me to walk and move uh, in a normal way. Again, because I was walking with no cartilage in my knee. Um, so that was number one. But uh, also, there was just this thought that why am I trying to get by um, when I could be living a better life and could be, you know, being active with my kids and active with my wife and maybe not playing pickup basketball, but at least being more active than I was. And so that's really, that was the huge impetus. And I'm really thankful for my surgeon for helping me think through some of those things. And uh, yeah, so we pulled the trigger. Uh, September 29th, I had my surgery. I'm four weeks out and I'm really feeling good. Um, I uh, last two weeks, I've been preaching uh, at my church, which is just an amazing thing. I am so thankful to be back in the church preaching, back in the pulpit, uh, where I really feel comfortable and uh, really feel that that's where God wants me to be. And, you know, it's uh, it, it was definitely trying, uh, if I can use that word, that first Sunday back uh, with all... The, I, I just had a lot of anxiety that first Sunday when I came back and just a lot of... Uh, yeah, just eagerness, but just nervousness about it with just how my, my knee felt and everything and how I would be able to withstand uh, a full sort of schedule, a full slate of Sunday uh, ministry requirements and whatnot. But I'm so thankful for where I am and how God has allowed me to see such progress. Um, I'm walking without any assistance right now. I am continually going to uh, physical therapy to try and get this knee rehabilitated to where I can even live more normal than I am now. Um, so, I'm just really thankful. Uh, you're, uh, so many people have left me cards and notes and left me little uh, little bits of encouragement and told me that they're praying for me, and I couldn't be more thrilled for that. It's been quite a journey. Um, uh, Natalie will, can, will, will, will vouch for this when I say that there were some moments where I really doubted whether this was a good decision. <laughs> uh, the pain uh, was such that I had never really experienced before. And it was really just pain that was just so new. Uh, so, <laughs> well, it was fresh too. Uh, just coming off of uh, pain medicine that was wearing off and my whole body was waking up to this new reality of having a foreign object in my knee joint. So, but anyways, I'm just really I, I could not be more thankful for where I am and for God bringing me through the surgery, uh, infection-free, complication-free. Um, not everyone gets to say that. And uh, I'm really counting my blessings in terms of that. I'm really uh, thankful that this surgery is sort of in my rearview mirror. I can sort of move on um, and keep going forward. And uh, I, I'm really excited to see what God has for me uh, in the rest of, you know, the next several years. Um, and because who knows what the Lord has planned for me? Who knows what, you know, God would want to come out of this, you know, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not sure yet. And I, I think that's one thing that I've, um, maybe I, I can share this with you. Like I, I, I've sort of been struggling a little bit with this is what, 
what am I supposed to be learning through this? You know, uh, we talk about trials so often, um, we, and we talk about ordeals, hardships, uh, seasons of adversity that come up, and I think there's a sense sentiment where every single moment of trial in your life has to be doing something to you, uh, to where, you know, um, okay, so this is going to totally out me as a dad, but, um, I, I, I can't help but think of that, that scene from Frozen 2. So my daughter Lydia is just basically in love with Frozen 2. And actually it's funny because my son Braxton, he loves Frozen as well. And whenever Frozen, the songs come on, he starts dancing, which is hilarious. But um, anyways, uh, there's that scene in Frozen 2 where they're walking into the Enchanted Forest. And I'm probably losing some listeners, but just hang with me really quick because I think this is all going to come full circle. But, you know, okay, so they're walking into the Frozen or they're walking into the Enchanted Forest and Olaf's character says something to the effect that, you know, he can't wait to see what's going to happen because he knows that Enchanted Force have this symbolism of transformation. And so that each character, and then it pans across each character, Elsa, Anna, and Kristoff, and it shows them kind of looking at each other as if they sort of get that same sense that, yeah, this, whatever's going to happen in this Enchanted Force, they're not going to come out the same. And to a certain degree, uh, I really feel like that's how we approach suffering in the sense that we think um, and we surmise that every season of suffering is a moment of transformation. And to a degree, I agree with that. Um, There is a sense in which trials come about and we are being refined. You know, I just preached through that actually in 1 Peter chapter 1 where uh, the Apostle Peter is talking about um, you know, the gold being put in the furnace and you're, you're tried and refined through this season of heaviness and whatnot, First uh, Peter 1, 6 and 7. Um, and so there's a sense in which I do agree with that, like trials refine us, uh, seasons of hardship, they uh, mold us, they fashion us. Uh, it, it's what the Spirit uses to shape us more into uh, His image. But there's also a sense I get, um, and maybe this is just me uh, talking off the off the cuff. <laughs> but there's a sense I get that sometimes the growth that occurs through hardships, through heartaches, through seasons of hurt and heaviness, through seasons like I've been through these last four weeks, that the growth that is there is growth that is less sort of noticeable, uh, growth that is less sort of external, uh, growth that is much, <laughs> uh, much less palpable. And by that, I mean by that is like, I've, I've really, I went into this going, knowing that I would be sidelined for several weeks and I would have time to quote, refresh and re- rejuvenate myself. Um, and really through it all, I haven't been able to learn much about that other than the fact that God's just really faithful and that is such a, this is, I feel kind of bad confessing this, but I feel as if that's almost too simple a thing to learn. I feel like there has to be some, there's also a sense in which I feel like, I feel like that's almost too elementary. 
um, and that I need to be learning something more serious, that I need to be learning something more cathartic uh, about myself or about the scriptures or about the gospel or about all of those and how they affect uh, my life, my ministry, my, uh, my family or something like that. And yet I keep coming back to this really simple truth that God is really faithful. He always has been faithful, and He always will be faithful. And there's not a single moment, there's not a single second where His faithfulness is taken away, where His um, where His faithful love for you and for me is 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 not there and is not real. It is not f- put in full force uh, for our good and for His glory. I, I've really come to believe that. I've really come to to know that in a really particular way. God is faithful. It shouldn't it shouldn't take knee surgeries, and it shouldn't take being sidelined by knee surgeries or any other hardship to learn that. But oftentimes we're really stubborn people, and we need a really stubborn lesson in order to uh, get that across our heads. And uh, that's me. Um, that's that's definitely me. <laughs> uh, so I, I I've just been really reflecting on that. That. This season of, and we can apply that to this whole year, 2020, right? This this whole year has been a season of heaviness in which it feels as though God doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> and yet through it all, God is faithful. God is a faithful God. And even when we're faithless, He is faithful. Even when we are doubting, He never gives up on us, and He is never not faithful to us. I'm looking up that verse. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, I believe. Uh, let me, yeah, 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. I go back to that verse so often. I go back to that verse all the time. That incredible truth, he remains faithful, even when we're faithless, even when we're struggling, even when we are going through the hurt and the heaviness and the hardship and the heartache, when we are going through the harrowing seasons of life, he is a faithful God. When we are made to sit flat on our butt, or maybe we're made to sit flat on our back, because that's how devastated we've been by the current season of life that we are in, guess what? God is still a faithful God. And I'm, I've been learning that, I think, throughout this whole year. Um, and it's, it's hard to always articulate exactly what that looks like. It's just something that has been ruminating in my head for these, you know, now 11 months, you know, uh, on Monday, it's going to, or uh, Sunday is November 1st. We're into the 11th month of this 2020 in which every single idea or, or hope or purposed intention that you had likely has been upset in some way or another. You've also likely been made to fear because of one thing or another. There's been so many things that if you already had anxiety that could have led to way more anxiety than you've perhaps ever been uh, made to deal with or face. And 
I think about that. I, I think about the fact that despite all that, the promises of Scripture hold true, and they hold firm, and they will forever. God is a faithful God. And through this season of heaviness, we can, we can cling to that. And guess what? It's not just about us clinging to Him. It's, it's Him clinging to us. Going through a, a painful season, uh, these last four weeks have definitely not been pain-free, definitely not been easy. Um, recovering from anything, let alone uh, a, a knee operation, the, the likes of, of what I have undergone, uh, always leave you in in a certain vulnerable position. And I think what I have just come to realize is that our vulnerabilities are always outmatched by his faithfulness. And no matter how scared we feel, no matter how surprised we are, God, God is faithful. And he always will be. He always will be. There won't be a time where he takes away uh, his promises, where he takes away his assurances for us and to us. There won't be a time when his faithful love will be snatched away because of our faithlessness. He remains faithful because he is great in faithfulness, as it says in Lamentations 3. I'm just really thankful for that. I, I mean, it's again, it's not the most profound lesson, but I think in a lot of ways it is a profound lesson because, you know, on another note, it's so easy to get into a mode where you're sort of relying on yourself and you're relying on your own faithfulness. God wants us to see his faithfulness is what brings us through, not our fortitude, not our fervency, not my urgency for the things of spirituality, for the things of the gospel, for the things of the ministry with which I've been blessed to be a part of. It's God, and it's His faithfulness. He's the one that sustains. He's the one that keeps not just me going, but the ministry going, but the, but the ability that uh, He has given me to uh, proclaim His truth. It's, it's all wrapped up in that wonderful promise that He is going to remain faithful even when we're faithless. That's it. It, it, it. it can't really be boiled down into anything else other than that. And I've just been learning a lot about that sustaining faithfulness of God because um, it's there and it always will be there. And I'm thankful for that. Um, that's sort of where I've been lately. Um, I would love to sort of summarize some of the things I've been preaching on. I'll just say, uh, I'll put the links in the notes for this show Um just to go and listen to those. I, I, I preached a really sort of, I, I've been in Ecclesiastes, so I got back into Ecclesiastes this past Sunday. Um, I finished out chapter five and I finished out chapter six, preaching on uh, the tough topic of money. I was telling someone uh, that that's sort of a subject that I, as pastors, perhaps I don't always, as a pastor, I don't always look forward to preaching on, preaching on money, preaching on what your congregants do with their wallets. Uh, but it wasn't something I sought out. It just came up in the text. So <laughs> I preached the word and that's what the word said. Uh, so, uh, but I think there's a lot of profound lessons that came out of that. Uh, the last two Sundays also in the Sunday evenings, I've been preaching through Peter's letters, which I'm just really liking. I just finally finished chapter one. So I spent four weeks uh, preaching through chapter one of First Peter. Uh, so put uh, I have the links for those sermons 
uh, in the notes too. But uh, the first Sunday back, I preached, I think, a rather personal sermon. because I'll tell you the story too. When I was going into surgery, uh, and this was just sort of like the introduction and sort of the the premise for this sermon. So if you listen to it, you'll you you, you kind of know where I'm I'm headed. Um, when I went into surgery, um, I didn't really know what to expect, and I've been through surgeries before, and yet this one was so much different just because of all the regulations, because of the coronavirus and things that have been changed in how medicine is practiced and everything like that. So I knew it was going to be different. And I went into surgery. I went from the triage station for the where the nurses uh, are, you know, you get checked in and everything. And I went from there all the way through right to when they were going to open or uh, bring me into the uh, operating room. Uh, I did all that by myself. Uh, there was, I didn't have my wife with me or anything like that. It was all uh, kind of lonesome. Um, you know, the nurses are coming around, they're poking and prodding, they're doing their their pre-surgery tasks, they're making sure everything is going according to plan, that that my vitals are still good after they, you know, do a certain thing and they put their, the IV in, all those things, all that ha- happens and I'm by myself. Uh, and so, what I found most interesting was is what the Holy Spirit brought to mind when I was in that moment, because as I was sitting on the the bed, uh, as everyone's going around doing their thing, and I'm sitting there kind of alone, wishing that Natalie was there in the room with me. Um, what does God bring to mind? None other than Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And it was such a moment, I almost started tearing up just because I had, I hadn't, I mean, to be truthful, I hadn't really thought of that psalm in a long time. And yet in that moment when I was going through my own little valley of the shadow of death, (laughs) my own little season of distress and dismay as the anxiety was building as I approached this surgery, um, the shepherd was there. Uh, The shepherd was faithful. And that sermon was one that I knew what I was going to say for a long time. I knew that that God really put that on my heart. He really, um, uh, it, it was just a sermon that meant a lot to me uh, because it's a sermon that um, there's a, there was just a lot of personal feeling in that sermon, and I'm really thankful that I was able to preach it. I'm really thankful that I was uh, allowed to um, to preach that word uh, the first Sunday I came back. It was one that I, I still think about because it meant so much to me that that in that moment the words of Scripture came to me, and and it wasn't that I was setting out to think about them. It was that the Holy Spirit brought them to mind, and. His comforting presence is really what brought me through uh, those those initial moments as I was approaching surgery, uh, and I was getting gearing up to going into that operating room and I, I, not really knowing what to expect. And yet, there's the shepherd; he's there, and uh, right where he always will be. And uh, I'm so incredibly thankful for that. So go listen to the sermons. I hope uh, you will be encouraged by what I've been going through lately. Uh, before we keep going, though, I want to give a quick word to uh, this podcast sponsor. Do you like coffee? 
I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. So um, the rest of the show, I'm going to just talk about a few quick things. Um, What I've been reading lately is actually some uh, commentaries on uh, the letters that Peter wrote, so first and second Peter, and I've been reading this tandem of commentaries, uh, one by Alexander McLaren, which I have just really adored. Uh, I really love reading the sermons by Alexander McLaren. He has such a way to write. And I've also been balancing that by reading Martin Luther's commentaries on Peter, which, and by I say balancing, there's this sense in which McLaren sometimes delves into this, um, uh, let me, uh, how, to, how to phrase this, like prototypical uh, Baptisty sort of way to understand a text. And so I like to read Luther because he has a very strong gospel-centered expositional style. But what's interesting about Luther, uh, especially in 1 Peter, as if you read 1 Peter 1, you know, the concept of priesthood comes up a couple times and he uses, uh, Luther uses that platform in order to totally, uh, of course, uh, decimate the idea of uh, of the popes and the cardinals and the Roman Catholic uh, sort of understanding of priesthood and all those sorts of things. So, it's really interesting to see how Luther takes those texts, but he always does so in a way which clearly expounds the text, and they uh, eventually, uh, of course, both find their way to uh, to agree and harmonize because, you know, they're talking about Jesus. So, um, they, they both get to their points from different ways, so to speak, um, but I really love both these commentaries. I'm going to put the links to the, the books that I'm reading in the notes. So, you can kind of, uh, if you want to, you can kind of follow along with what I'm reading. Um, but I really love these commentaries on First Peter. They're really good. If you have any other commentaries that I should read, uh, be sure to let me know. You can send me an email or put a, a note in the comments on uh, another commentary that was, that's been helpful to you. Uh, but uh, on that note, what's been helpful to me um, I just got done with, or recently just finished a um, class for seminary, which was surveying the Old Testament. I went through Genesis all the way through Nehemiah, so really the first half, and I'm I'm in the. I just started uh, my second seminary class for this semester, which is actually going through the rest of the uh, the Old Testament, which is the wisdom books and the prophets. Um, but what I have found most helpful is. As I've surveyed this 
class, or as I've been through this class and surveyed the Old Testament, or at least the first half of it, uh, there was a strong sense that the covenants of God are sort of the preeminent thing that sort of binds together the Old Testament books. And seeing that as I, so I was reading these Old Testament books with an eye towards seeing God's bent towards covenanting with people that continually break the covenant that he has made with them. And it's so fascinating to see that, that through almost every circumstance, when God's people break the covenant, what is God's heart? His heart is to actually re-covenant with those people. Uh, there are times, yes, when you go through and you, because we have this this colloquial idea of God, in the Old Testament especially, that he's this grumpy old man that is really uh, frustrated and angry and who wants to just see his people suffer. And that's not really the case <laughs> when you read the Old Testament. The Old Testament God is a God full of grace and truth. And he puts that into practice when, yes, he's full of truth when he rightly judges and, um, and and punishes his people for things that they do. But what is so fascinating to me is that he continually covenants with people who break that covenant. He's continually making a way for his people to be redeemed, and that's really the heart of God. Uh, the Old Testament, if you if you have this eye towards it, it reveals God's heart, which is a heart of compassion and patience and faithful love. Um, that's really been helpful. Uh, I'll link to um, an article that I wrote towards that, uh, an essay that I wrote for seminary, which kind of goes along with that, that you can kind of hopefully be encouraged by, because I just really have been fascinated by it. It's been super helpful to see that, to see that this God of the Old Testament, it's the same God of the New Testament. Uh, it's not as if, you know, when Jesus incarnated that suddenly God had become gracious. He's been gracious ever since the fall, uh, and he has been revealing more of his grace ever since then, perhaps. And um, I'm just really thankful that I was able to learn that. It was a great class. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I was uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I especially just though learned that this God is a covenanting God who is eternally bent towards redemption, uh, which I'm, I'm very thankful for. Uh, another thing that has been helpful that I really wanted to talk about and I wanted to make sure I included in this episode was this sermon by my pastor from Florida. So uh, when we were living in Florida, we were attending this church in Jupiter, Florida, Beacon Baptist Church. Um, and my pastor there, Dr. Jim Blaylock, recently preached a sermon that is honestly one of the best sermons I've ever heard, um, especially because it's so timely. Um, the sermon title really just says it all. God has no plan B. And <laughs> I just love I just love that title, and I love the way he delves into this sermon and how God has never had to have a contingency plan because things didn't go his way. They didn't go according to his plans, to his ways, to the things that he has worked out from before the foundation of the world. His plans are always brought out according to how he has designed them from eternity past. And that is a really encouraging thought. I cannot recommend enough 
that you listen, watch this sermon. I have the link in the notes for this show. Go listen to that sermon. Um, it is one that I was just so thoroughly encouraged by. Uh, and I know you will be too. Uh, it's (laughs) again, what should you remember? Uh, God has never been surprised that anything that happens in this life, why? Because his plans always come together. You know, that, what's that? That's the A-team line, right? You know, uh, Hannibal uh, from the A-team. I love it when a plan comes together. God's plans always come together. He's not surprised or he, he, he hasn't had plans that have been upset or frustrated by anything that has happened in 2020. That's hard to believe. I think sometimes <laughs> it, it doesn't always seem that that's the case, but that's the case. God's plans are still on target. <laughs> His plans are still in effect. He has not been thwarted. He has not been upset. He has not been shaken uh, by anything that we've seen, by anything that we've endured, by anything that has gone on uh, here um, in this life and I'm in, in this year. And uh, God has no plan B. He only has a plan A. And uh, that might be hard to see, might be hard to imagine. Uh, but uh, man, just listen to that sermon. You'll be encouraged. Uh, the work of the gospel will happen to you and through you through that sermon, through uh, Dr. Jim Blaylock's uh, ministry and sermon. So uh, definitely listen to it. I can't recommend it enough. Um, uh, There's so much more I would want to say. There's another article I'm going to link to, which goes along with that. It's an article by Chad Bird, um, which he writes, his title says it all too, Uh, 2020 is a great year for the church, (laughs) which is hard to believe if you just think about 2020 and the things that the church has made to endure, it could be, how is this a good year? But man, Chad Bird has such a way of writing that <laughs> I'm so thankful for Chad Bird. Go read that article too. It goes right along with what uh, Pastor Blaylock preaches in his sermon. So read that article, be encouraged. There's tons of stuff for you to be encouraged by this week. I'm so thankful to be having the, uh, recording this podcast again. I hope you've been encouraged by the, the things that I've shared and um, I'm praying for you. Thank you for praying for me. I hope you've been blessed by this episode. Uh, please subscribe to the Ministry Minded Podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I so appreciate all of your encouragement and support. Your listens are so encouraging to me. So thank you as always uh, for that and for just supporting me and praying for me and my ministry. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Blessings. Blessings.